we're gonna go forward with our series, Kingdom Culture. Last week, Pastor Brad started part one of Kingdom Culture, and so we're just picking up part two. I wanna do a little bit of review for all of us. Some of you weren't here last week, and so we need to catch up a little bit. If you haven't watched the live stream from last week, I would definitely suggest that you go and you um, check that message out because it's powerful. But today I wanna begin just with a review of the, some definitions. We're gonna define the word kingdom, and then I'm gonna take it a little step further, and we're gonna define the word culture, because Jesus has told us to walk in the kingdom of God. We should have a mindset that has the kingdom of God in our minds at all time. So let's look real quickly at what the word kingdom means. First of all, kingdom was translated from the word, the word basilia in the Greek. The meaning of kingdom is royal power, kingship, and dominion. It can't be confused with an actual kingdom, but it's the authority of the kingdom. Last Sunday, Pastor Brad had us hold up our hands like we were holding a scepter. I thought it was a little cheesy. Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. But it's made for a great visual for me this week when there's been different situations I'm in to remind myself that I have the authority of the kingdom. We have been given the authority of the kingdom. And so that's the definition we're going with as we talk about kingdom throughout today and through the next couple of weeks during our series. Now, I want to look at the word culture. Because I believe that the church does not have the culture of the kingdom. I believe that so much of the church has the world culture. How do we know if we have the kingdom culture operating in our homes and in our lives, or if we have the world's culture operating in our homes and in our lives. Well, let's look at the definition of culture. It's a way of life of a group of people, the behaviors, beliefs, values, and symbols they accept, generally accepting them without thinking about them. And they're passed along by communication, and they're passed along by imitation. Now. I want you to think about your family. Cultures that have been passed down, traditions that have been passed down, your family has a culture. And before we go any further, I'm gonna ask you to just evaluate your heart and evaluate your family. Does your family walk in a kingdom culture? Or does your family walk in the world's culture? Or Maybe you walk in the kingdom culture some days, and some days you walk in the world's culture. I want us to all check our hearts, because honestly, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't do that, we can't change. If we keep assuming that we're okay and that we have this thing figured out, we're never going to grow and become everything God's called us to be. We all have to do it. God has given me so many opportunities this week to check myself. Am I walking with a Christ mindset? or am I walking with the world's mindset? Now we had the pleasure this, this earlier this spring to go to Ireland. We flew to Ireland, we landed, I was exhausted. That is quite a trip. And Pastor Noel Kinney picked us up at the airport, that little Irish guy that was here a few weeks ago preaching, we love him. And he said, now, here's the thing, you're not going to sleep. And I thought, this is very abusive, that you wouldn't let us go to sleep. But he drug us to have breakfast. 
at a mall, and I didn't even want to go to it. That's how tired I was. He takes us to this little breakfast place in the mall, very nice, trendy-looking place, and we sit down and we look at the menu. And on the menu for breakfast, I was expecting bacon, eggs, you know, oatmeal, that kind of stuff. There were some of those things, but they also had something called baked beans. And I thought, that's very strange, that they had baked beans for breakfast. So I asked them, what are baked beans? And Noel said, they're baked beans. And I thought, what a strange thing to have for breakfast. Then we kept looking and looking through the menu, and there was white pudding and black pudding. Or, yeah, white pudding and black pudding. And my first thought was, awesome, pudding for breakfast. That's amazing. I'm thinking in my mind like tapioca, something sweet, chocolate pudding for breakfast. I was all over it, definitely going to get it. So I said to him, what is pudding, this pudding, that, that black pudding and white pudding? And he said to me, we don't really know, but it's meat and herbs and grain and blood. I said no. I passed on it. I was so excited about pudding, and then I thought, no, not so much. Pastor Brad, of course, tried it, and he thought it was fantastic, because I think any time you take any kind of meat and put it in a ball, a guy's going to eat it. <laughs> so anyway, I'm looking at this culture thinking how crazy that they eat baked beans for breakfast, and they eat something they really don't even know what it is for breakfast. But it's their culture. It's how they're raised. It's very normal for them. For us, when we have baked beans, usually you have a side of ribs or a grilled burger with some coleslaw and, and baked beans, potato salad. Can I get an amen? That's how we eat baked beans, not in the morning. Can you imagine waking up, hey, you want a cup of coffee and some baked beans? But it's their culture. It's completely normal to them. We all have a culture in our family. We all have a culture that we walk out the the good news, or we walk out our faith. And I'm asking you today to check your culture. Does your culture line up with the kingdom culture or line up with the world's culture? As followers of Christ, we have some decisions to make. And I'm asking you to evaluate yourself today. Romans 12:2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. So I'm going to just look at that this way. Don't have a worldly mindset. Don't have a worldly mindset. Beth, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about this. When it comes to finances, do you have a worldly mindset? Or do you have a kingdom mindset? When Jesus experienced lack, what did Jesus do? What did he do? He prayed, he looked to the Father, and then he walked out what the Father told him to do. When he had lack, he didn't have, remember the, the story of the boy with the, the fishes and the loaves, and Jesus said, Jesus was in a situation of lack at that moment. Did he freak out? No, he said, Father, what do you want me to do? He took the bread and he divided it. He took the fish and he divided it. We need to make sure that we're not conforming to a pattern of the world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
Ephesians 5.17 says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How do we do that? How do we know the will of the Lord? How do we become transformed with the renewing of our mind? These are some really great questions that we need to ask. We can't just say it without kind of giving some guidance to walk in it. When I think about having the will of God and knowing his will, when I think about my mind being transformed, I think about the word of God. There is nothing more powerful than the word of God when we're trying to grow in wisdom and knowledge of the kingdom. Jesus talked about the kingdom. A lot of people say Jesus is love and he is love. It's a way that God describes himself, that he's a God of love. But did you know that Jesus in the New Testament, get this, talked about the kingdom of God 53 times. In the book of Matthew alone, he talked about the kingdom of heaven, which is the same thing, synonymous, 32 times. Jesus Christ talked about the kingdom of heaven. It was dear to his heart. And we'll find out later today that it was his mandate to preach the kingdom of God. How do we know his will in our life? How do we get a kingdom transformed mind? We get in the word. We get in the word. Ladies and gentlemen, you can come to church for two hours out of your week. And I pray that you feel the presence of Jesus and you hear his word. But it's not enough for you to have a transformed mind. You have to take the initiative. You have to be intentional to get into the word. Beth, I don't have a kingdom mindset. Get into the word. If you don't have a kingdom mindset, get into the word. Start feeding your spirit with the word of God. I will tell you, if we feed our spirit the word of God, if we feed our mind the word of God, our behavior will begin to line up with the word. When you read about Jesus healing the sick, when you read about the miracles that Jesus did, there should be a hunger inside of you to see that revealed here on earth. I challenge you. I challenge you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get in the word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time asking God, what is your will in this situation? Find yourself a mentor, godly men and women that can hold you accountable, that you give them permission to speak into your life when they see something askew. Give them permission. Let's decide that we're going to walk a kingdom lifestyle. Our minds are going to be transformed. I love the verse, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. 15 and 16. The person with the spirits makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the, the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You are in Christ Jesus, and you can make human judgments just like everyone else. You can make decisions just like everyone else. But this word, word says that if you have the spirit in you, you've been given the mind of Christ. That should be exciting. The problem with some of us is we don't believe we've been given the mind of Christ. But once we can accept that as a truth that we have been given the mind of Christ in Christ Jesus, we can begin to act on that knowledge. 
We can begin to ask the Lord, give me wisdom and revelation in every situation. How can I bring the kingdom in this situation? How can I release the kingdom of God in my finances? How can I release the kingdom of God in my business? How can I release and walk in the kingdom authority in my family? Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't address a problem that is underlying in our lives, we'll never, never, ever overcome it. We have to make sure that we have made a decision to follow after Christ in every area of our lives. And that means having a kingdom of God mindset. What does that look like? You walk into a situation, you bring with you the kingdom of God. You can make a difference in that situation. It's exactly what Jesus would do. Now, I will tell you, it's not like I'm perfect at this. I struggle all the time. Mind of Christ, mind of Christ. I have to remember it constantly. It's not a one-time decision. Sometimes it's a moment-by-moment decision. If you struggle with unforgiveness, it's a moment-by-moment decision to have the mind of Christ and bring the, the, the love of the kingdom of God into that situation. If you struggle with fear, sometimes it's a moment-by-moment decision to not walk in fear. As many of you know, Emma had a really weird situation with her migraines, with migraines a couple of, it's not hers, I'm not claiming that, migraines a couple of uh, months ago. It was horrible. We took her in for tests and things showed up on the MRI. Like the doctor said, anytime you start poking around, you're bound to find something. And we did, and it was scary. I remember having that conversation and my gut just, oh, oh, I could not believe it. I recognized that enough to know that my soul was hurt by that news. And it was hard. It was hard to take captive my thoughts. And it was hard to make sure I was walking in a kingdom mindset in that situation. Well, the other day, she and I are sitting on the couch and we were just talking and we were actually watching our new favorite show, Madam Secretary. If you haven't watched it, check it out. It's fantastic. I love her. So anyway, we're sitting there watching Madam Secretary. She is a spitfire. And um, Emma goes, Mom, I just feel weird. Like, I just don't feel right. Like, I'm kind of dizzy a little. And I immediately freaked out on the inside. I was calm on the outside. On the inside, I was freaking out. Oh my gosh, what if the migraines come back? What if there's something really wrong with her brain? What if, what if? And I found myself completely upset by the situation. Let me ask you, did I have the kingdom of God mindset in that moment? Did I have the mind of Christ in that moment? I would say no, I didn't. That was just two days ago, people. I mean, we're all learning and we're all growing and we're all being transformed every day, hopefully more into the image of God. I told Brad about that and he's like, what are you talking about? She's fine. I mean, when it comes to healing, he doesn't doubt at all, at all. He can pray for anybody and he expects them to be 100% healed. Nothing lacking, everything restored. When it comes to finances, I have faith for that. So if you need money, come talk to me. I'll pray for you. But isn't it interesting how God sometimes gives us a gift of faith in certain areas or certain areas we struggle in? I'm here to tell you that if we submit ourselves to the Lord in our thinking, we can walk in faith when we pray over sickness, over disease, 
over finances. Nothing is off the table if we have the mind of Christ walking into the situation. The enemy of a renewed mind. We're talking about renewing our mind into a kingdom mindset. The enemy of a renewed mind is conformity to this world. If you don't want to walk victorious in your life, don't get a renewed mind. Don't do it. If you want to walk through life's journey, well, there, and there's going to be some ups and downs, right? You have to have the mind of Christ. You have to have a renewed mind. So I'm going to talk for just a moment about some prophecy that took place. We know that this kingdom message is important to Jesus. It actually was established way back in the garden. So I'm going to take you from Genesis to Revelation in the next 30 minutes. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm not going to do that. But I am going to start in Genesis, and I'm going to show you what God did for us at the very beginning of the book. Let's look here. In, um, I, don't, I don't think I even have the scripture. In Genesis, Jesus came to restore what Adam and Eve lost in the garden. God made Adam and Eve rulers over the earth and over everything, and he told them to subdue it and to have power over it. And then the devil came in. And what did the devil do but what the devil does? He did his job description. The enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. So God gave man authority to subdue and to rule. He gave them authority. He gave them the kingdom of God. Satan came in and took what was given to Adam and Eve in the garden. He stilled, he killed, and he destroyed. Then let's, let's fast forward to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah then comes on the scene, and if you've read the book of Isaiah, you know that he's prophesying the coming of the Messiah. The coming of the Messiah, Jesus, wasn't just about salvation, although that is amazing. But he didn't just come to save us. He came to restore what the enemy stole from us. He stole the authority that God gave us. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he completely destroys the work of the enemy in one fell swoop. And Isaiah, the prophet, was shown this. You need to read the book of Isaiah. Get into that and remember that. But I'm going to pick out just one verse about this prophecy. Isaiah 2, 1 through 4. It's a key prophecy regarding God's kingdom. Now it will, it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of Jehovah will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and the nations will stream to it. In this portion of scripture, we can look at this word mountain and it can be translated kingdom. Kingdom. So let's look at this verse translated with the word kingdom. Now it will come about that in the last days, the kingdom of the house of Jehovah will be established as the chief of the kingdoms. It will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Isaiah was prophesying the coming of the kingdom. Then we fast forward to John the Baptist. John the Baptist had a message of the kingdom. Do you remember, he, you know, he ate locusts and honey. I don't even know why people would listen to him if he had like locusts stuck in his teeth. I think that's disgusting. But apparently he was anointed to preach this message. 
And so he was all in with the kingdom of God. And we look in Matthew 3, 1 through 4. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now I wanna focus for just one second on the word repent. When we think about the word repent, we actually think about turning from sin. That's not the word that John the Baptist was using here. When you, really dis, when you really dig into this word, that is not the word he was using. It didn't have anything to do with salvation. It actually was a deeper word that John was talking about here. So repent, this is what it means here. A total alteration in the mind. A change in ju- judgments, disposition, and affection. So John the Baptist is saying here, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Change your thinking. Change your affections. Change the things that drive you because the kingdom has come. The kingdom is here. We could say it this way. Consider your ways, Faith Chapel. Think about your ways. You have, if you have a wrong thought, think again. And think correctly according to the kingdom. A change of mind will produce a change of behavior. Repent. There's been several times that I've had to just repent. Not of what you would think was sin, but what I would say is out of a line from what the kingdom would do. Let me give you an example. Emma, or Sophia came home from kids camp this week on Friday. She was super excited. I parked over here on the side. I was on the phone with somebody, and she ran up, knocked on the door, and I said, I have to go by, and hung up on the person. Really, without them saying anything, I had to call and apologize later. So I opened the door, and Sophia says to me, Mom, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I speak in tongues. And I was like, that's amazing. And then she goes on to say something I did not expect. Do you want to hear it? I was like, well, before I could say anything, she starts speaking in tongues. And she's excited about it. She's like, Mom, this guy is amazing. 174 kids were filled with the Spirit out of 400 kids at camp. You have to have him come. Mom, he's a fireball. Mom, he's going to preach down heaven. And all of our church are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues. I mean, she was preaching to me. She really should put him on the market team for this guy. Never met him, but I think we're going to probably have him because she is all in. That's all she talked about yesterday. So I drive her home, and Emma is there. Emma walks out to the garage like a good sister and greets her. She says, Emma, she jumps out of the car. Emma, I got the Holy Ghost, and I can speak in tongues. And Emma was like, you know, kind of taken back. And she goes, that's awesome, Sophie. You want to hear it? And she starts praying in the Spirit. Emma made a a familiar face, a little shock and awe. She was like, She looked at me, we made eye contact, like the look, like don't you dare say anything to that kid, that eye contact. So we come inside and Emma's looking at me like you gotta talk to that girl. (laughs) 
Brad comes out of his office. Baby, she runs and she jumps in his arms. Daddy, I got the Holy Ghost and I can speak in tongues. And he goes, yes! She starts praying in the spirit. He's like high-fiving. Not a religious bone in that man's body. Not a religious bone. I looked at Emma. I said, I think we're religious. She goes, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> hey, what does Jesus say about children? Suffer the little children. Come unto me. He also says you have to be like a child to get into the kingdom of heaven. Man, was that convicting. I'm like, Emma, we're religious. She goes, I never thought we were. I said, I know. I need the mind of Christ all the time. I love opportunities like that when the Lord's like, hello, you're not anything like me. And he points it out so that I can change. Man, I'm thankful that both of my kids are filled with the Spirit. Man, we need kids filled with the Spirit. We need adults filled with the Spirit. Our nation needs people spread around this nation filled with the Spirit. I'm thrilled about it. But there was a little religion in me. I didn't have the mind of Christ in that moment. I wasn't walking in the kingdom mindset. We all do it. What do we do? Beat ourselves up? No. Move past it and move forward. That's what we do. So I'm challenging you to do the same thing. Now look at the bottom of this verse here. <coughs> Tell you what, this speaking twice in a day. Um, the voice, Isaiah says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, in the time of, of Jesus and in the time of the Old Testament, when kings would travel from one location to the next, kingsmen would go before the royalty. They would literally make the path straight for the royalty. They would raise up the valleys. They would lower the mountains. They would remove any hindrance that was in the way. You can see this portion of scripture found, found um, throughout the Gospels about how we're supposed to remove hindrances for the way of the Lord. Now, was John actually saying to the people that were there, hey, get a shovel and start digging? No. He was talking about the geography of their heart, the soil of their heart. Hey, your heart needs to be right. The kingdom of God is near. You need to remove every hindrance. You need to raise the valleys. You need to lower the mountains. Jesus is coming. The kingdom is here. Faith Chapel, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Is your heart prepared for the kingdom of God? You've been given the authority we're going to talk about what the command is that he has for us to do. I'm going to ask you, where's your heart? Is it ready for the kingdom of God? Now, I would say that most of you have been given such amazing spiritual gifts and talents that you can use for the kingdom of God. But one thing I've noticed over years of ministry is that there's a fear of stepping out and using the gifts that God's given you to advance the kingdom. It's Some of it's fear-based. But some of it is that there are hindrances in our heart that we don't feel qualified to step out in faith and preach the kingdom message. Let me give you some examples. When you see a brother or a sister in the Lord 
struggling. Maybe there's just a lot of a spirit of lust that has come on them. You see them making decisions that aren't godly. If you yourself have a hindrance in your life, it will keep you from stepping out and challenging them and bringing them to a point of repentance. Is that fair? Let's think about this. You're struggling with pornography. You have a spirit of lust that you're struggling with. Is it really difficult to bring somebody else out of a spirit of lust situation if you yourself are struggling with that? I would say that's a hindrance in your heart. You've been given gifts. You've been given callings. You've been given authority and power to step up and step out in the kingdom. But if we don't prepare our heart, if we don't humble ourselves, we will not allow God to use us to dispense the kingdom of God in the way he wants us to. So Faith Chapel, we have a vision of a church that is 100% surrendered to Jesus. 100% willing to say, yes, Lord, I will step up. When I see a sick person, I'm going to ask the Father, what do you want me to do? And if he says pray, I'm going to pray. If I'm in a situation of lack with my finances, I'm going to ask the Father, what do you want us to do? And when he speaks, I'm going to obey. That's the culture that we're trying to, to create here at Faith Chapel. And it's the culture of the Lord. It's the kingdom culture. So my challenge for you is to evaluate your heart. Have you prepared your heart for the authority of the kingdom to operate in your life, and to be active in your life? And are you in a continual state of transforming your mind? Do you have the mind of Christ? You can say, yeah, I have the mind of Christ. In 10 minutes, will you have the mind of Christ? It's a continual work that takes place, holding ourselves accountable to walk in kingdom culture. It's easy to not walk in kingdom culture because we live in the world, right? So much easier to walk in the ways of the world and see the world through the lenses of our culture instead of God's word. So I'm asking you to evaluate yourself. So Jesus was prophesied, or the kingdom of heaven was prophesied Number two, Jesus operated with kingdom authority. He proclaimed it and he demonstrated it. The kingdom of God was the prominent theme throughout the teaching of Jesus. One thing I missed as a child, why did Jesus come? He came to save me, absolutely, but there's so much more to that if we look at the words of Jesus himself. The core of Jesus' message was the kingdom of God has come near. It was the core of his message. Throughout the accounts of Jesus' ministry, he was always talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Many of his parables explained the kingdom of God and kingdom culture. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is a treasure. The kingdom of God is a merchant looking for a pearl, and we are those pearls. Thank the Lord he's found us. The kingdom of God is like a king who gives a banquet. All of his parables had something to do with the kingdom of God. Jesus even went as far as to define his purpose 
as sharing the kingdom. Let's look in the book of Luke. Luke 4, 43. These are the words of Jesus. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. What was the purpose of Jesus to come? To preach the good news of the kingdom. Now, I want to give you some backstory to this. If you read the book of Luke, it's full of miracles that Jesus did. I love, love that book of the Bible. But chapter 2, we find Jesus at Simeon's house. He walks into Simeon's house, and I can just imagine Simeon's proud to bring Jesus, his teacher, into the home. And he's proud to prepare a table before him and to feed him and do the things that they culturally did. Well, guess what happened? Simeon's mother-in-law was ill. She had a high fever, the word says. And you know what Jesus did? Operating with kingdom authority at that moment, he rebuked the fever, and she was made well. Then she got up and she made dinner, basically. Now, when I was a little kid, I used to think, man, Jesus only healed that woman so she could make him some food. (laughs) We know that's not true, but I really thought that. I was like, wow, he should have made himself his own sandwich. Jesus, out of love, healed her. She was in a place of need, so he met her need. Now, we find that story before we see this verse. After Jesus walked away from Simeon's house, the people were super excited. I mean, there had been some awesome miracles taking place. And so the people wanted Jesus to stay, and they were asking Jesus, stay. Stay here, Jesus. Don't go anywhere. His response is, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom. I was sent for this purpose. So we see his purpose there. Luke 8 says, Luke 8, 1 says this, Soon afterward, he went out on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. So he took his 12 disciples with him to demonstrate and to instruct the kingdom message to them. Mark 1, 14 through 15 says this. It really summarizes Jesus' preaching. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We could really um, paraphrase Jesus' message by this. God's reign is at hand. It's here right now. God's power is being unleashed right now. Turn your life around. Repent. Turn your life around. Put your trust in the good news of the kingdom. Jesus said, repent. John the Baptist said, repent. And in these situations, they're not asking to repent of sin. They are saying, throw off everything that hinders. Prepare your heart. Change your judgments. Change your thinking. Make sure that you leave everything else behind. That culture that you've grown up in, imagine this, guys. The culture they've grown up in, leave it behind. Walk in a new way. Walk in a new culture, the culture of heaven. That was a big deal for them to walk away from their teaching. Through his words, Jesus declared the kingdom of God. But he also declared the kingdom of God through his actions. He also, in doing so, showed his authority over the prince of darkness. 
He did it. He talked about it, and he demonstrated it. There's a lot of us that can talk about the kingdom of God, but not all of us step out and release the kingdom of God. Why? I think sometimes we're afraid. I just think we're afraid. I think sometimes if you really look at it, pride gets in the way. I've had opportunities where Jesus has said, or the Holy Spirit said, you need to go pray with that person. One of the great opportunities, it was very humbling and humiliating. My BFF was sitting next to me in the hospital when Riley was in the hospital, which Riley is here today, praise God, which is awesome. Awesome. But she and I were sitting in the waiting room one of those many times. I probably brought candy and we were probably chewing on it. And there was a lady sitting right behind us. And you know how the waiting rooms are? There's chairs that kind of butt up against one another. But this time, there was a, like a glass wall separating us. And I looked at Cheryl and I said, the Holy Spirit told me to go pray for that lady. She said, well, go do it. I said, I don't want to do it. You need to go do it. And she said, the Holy Spirit didn't tell me, she got a little sassy, the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to go pray for that lady. He told you to go pray for that lady. I kicked her. <laughs> I did. I didn't want to go pray for her. I was here praying for Riley. I was all prayed out. Honestly, I was exhausted. I came to eat chocolate and go to bread cut with my friend. The Holy Spirit, go pray for the lady. I kicked Cheryl, got up, walked over to the lady awkward. I mean, really awkward. I sit down in the empty seat next to her. I say, ma'am, I know you don't know me. My name is Beth and I'm a Christian. And she just, she didn't give me anything. You know how some people like, they should smile. Like she just looked at me and she, I said, um, I really feel like God wanted me to come and pray for you. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And as I said those words, her face, that hard face, really it wasn't hard, it was hurt, broke. She began to cry. The Lord gave me a word for her, and she said, and when she was done, she goes, how did you know that? And I'm like, isn't God awesome? I got to minister to one of God's children and release the kingdom of God over her. It encouraged her and strengthened her. She had a different countenance when I walked away. Had I not been obedient to the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, the love of God, the mercy of God would not have been released in that situation. Now, it's a good example of obedience only because my friend said, you go. I didn't want to go. We need to really take account of our behavior. There are so many times the Holy Spirit is saying, step out and step up. Bring my kingdom. You have the authority to heal. You have the authority to, to, to raise the dead. You have the authority to make chaos calm and speak to the storm. And we choose not to do it. We choose to back away from the call of God. The mandate is very clear. Let's look ahead. Matthew 10, 7. As you go, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. As you go, proclaim this message. 
The kingdom of heaven has come near. He's speaking to his disciples that have been following him around. He's not changing the message, guys. Jesus spoke, the kingdom of heaven is near, and he's speaking to his disciples, and he's mandating the great commission to go, and he's saying, this is what you say. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. He's looking at his disciples saying, heal the sick. He's saying, raise the dead. Cleanse those that have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. And Luke 9, 1 through t um, 2, we see Jesus call the 12 disciples together. And he gave them something. Let's look and see. He gave them power and authority over all demons. Somebody say all. Not some, all. He gave them power and authority over demons. And the power or the dunamai, which means the ability to cure disease. And then he sent them out. Proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. How many of you are a disciple of Jesus? Raise your hand. Be proud about it. How many of you are a disciple of Jesus? The mandate is clear. You don't have a different mandate. The mandate is heal the sick. The mandate is preach the message of the kingdom. He gave you the power and he gave you the authority to do the things that he's called you to do. He'll never call you to something he hasn't equipped you with. He's given you the authority to do those very things that he called his disciples to do. You are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in you. Right now you represent the kingdom. How well are you doing it? How well am I doing it? Are you representing the kingdom of God well? Are you walking out the mandate and the command that God has given you? The teaching of God revealed the very presence of God. His actions revealed the very love and the nature of God. They both illustrated the kingdom of God and they demonstrated the presence of God. Some of us are really, really good about talking, but we don't take the step to action or demonstration. And I will tell you, if Jesus didn't demonstrate this very kingdom that he talked about, the people around him would think he was crazy. They would think he's a dreamer. And I would go as far to say they would think he's a deceiver. It's the call of God on each of us to walk in the authority that he's given us and not just talk about it, but demonstrate it. And I understand the fear and the trepidation that comes to speaking to somebody you don't know if the Lord tells you to go pray for them. And I understand even honestly in our own families when a mom calls and says she's sick and you say, mom, before we do anything, let's pray. And I understand in a family, when your daughter says, I have a headache, it's easier to give an excedrin than it is to stop and pray. But what kingdom are we a part of? How are we living our life? What kind of culture are we creating? When there was sickness, what did Jesus do? He prayed. When there was lack, he prayed. When there was division, he brought unity. We need to do the same. We need to make the decision 
to walk out a kingdom culture in our, in our homes. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, you're creating a culture. You're doing it. Maybe you eat baked beans for breakfast, I don't know. But it's a culture you're creating. Maybe you get up every Saturday and make pancakes. I did that for like two years and gained like 30 pounds. It was awesome and bad at the same time. But I had some good pancake recipes. Every week, different recipe. It was great. I started creating a culture. Every Saturday, my girls would say, what kind of pancakes are you making today? Because it was normal. It was a culture. You guys are creating culture in your family, whether you recognize it or not. And so I'm asking you today to recognize there's culture being created. You are either walking in kingdom culture, you're following after the commands of scripture, you're bringing the kingdom into every situation, or you're walking after the world's culture. At Faith Chapel, I desire that we all throw off the hindrances that are in our hearts and our lives, and we focus on the mandate. Go. Walk in our authority, walk in our power, bring the kingdom of Jesus. Everybody will stand with me. One of my very favorite verses is found in John 14, 12 through 14. Very truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus expects us to bring the kingdom of God. He expects us to do greater things than him and I can't even wrap my mind around that. But I know we'll never start if we don't catch the vision that we're called to carry the mandate of the kingdom. We're never going to change the world unless we pick that up. I also know this. In my own life, I need to repent. I need to repent from looking at things from a worldly perspective. And I need to transfer my perspective into a kingdom perspective. Judgments. I need to lay aside affections. I need to lay aside thinking. I need to lay aside and I need to strive to have the mind of Christ. That's the culture of the kingdom. So I'm going to ask you all to bow your head and close your eyes. Jesus wants us just to be honest. He knows our heart anyway. How many of you would say in here, hey, you know what I need to do? First steps, first things first. I need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Man, I'm not a part of the kingdom. I'm not a part of the kingdom yet. I need to be a part of the kingdom. I want to follow after Jesus. I want to do the things that Jesus did. I want to walk in freedom. I don't want to have bondage anymore. I need to follow after him. How many of you would say with a raised hand, hey, I want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life? We have one person here. Anybody else? Man, I need to be a part of this kingdom. Faith Chapel, we're going to say a prayer with this gentleman. I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that you revealed to me the need of a Savior. 
I repent for my sins. I repent for my way of thinking. And I'm choosing to follow you. Jesus, strengthen me with your word. Encourage me with your Holy Spirit. And help me walk out discipleship the way you have me to. In Jesus' name, amen. That is exciting. God's word says that there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels when somebody gets saved. Isn't that amazing? Let's give it up for God. Now I'm going to pray for the rest of you Christians. And I'm not even going to make you put your head down. How many of you know you need to repent? You need to have a mindset change. You need to stop and turn around. Start following hard after God. Man, we can take this city if we do this. We can win our families. And I would say there were 12 disciples. One, not so much. 11 disciples took this message of the kingdom around the world. And you're sitting here today, a Gentile, hearing the message of the kingdom of God. If we grasp this, guys, if we repent, we can win the world for Jesus. We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to convict you. Because I want you to be as miserable this week as I was preparing for this message. I want us to change and become more like Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message of the kingdom. I thank you, Jesus, that you spoke about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven more than you spoke about anything because you understand the power of the authority of God. You understand that if we grasp the mandate, we can change the world. And I come against the enemy that would speak to us that we're crazy and this doesn't make sense because you make sense, Jesus. You've given us power and authority over every darkness. You've given us power and authority over sickness and over disease. And so, Father, I pray that that would just penetrate our heart, that we would have the mind of Christ in every situation. When it's a situation of lack, I pray we would have the mind of Christ. When there's a sickness situation, I pray we would have the mind of Christ. When there's turmoil, I pray we would have the mind of Christ. When there's division, I pray we would have the mind of Christ. When there's war, I pray we would have the mind of Christ. When we look at our neighbor who we don't like, I pray we would have the mind of Christ. Convict us, pull us in closer so we can hear your spirit. Father, we repent for walking in the ways of the world and having that mindset. God, that there would just be a shift even today that would start in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you, God, that you are raising up a generation of believers that truly hold to the word and walk it out in power and authority. I thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.